To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's what the Bible says about death. As believers, we know we should be celebrating a home going when we lose a loved one, but it's never that easy. The people we love are often our motivation for waking up, for trying harder, and sometimes just living another day. So how does God expect us to go on without them? This is the No Worries Podcast. This podcast is hosted by myself, PJ Nichols, pastor of Greater Work Center, and Pash Bankhead, who is a life coach, aspiring mental health practitioner, and who also overcomes on a daily basis her own mental health struggles. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss the role of both mental health and spirituality in the life of a believer. In today's episode, we're talking about the impact of grief upon our spiritual and mental wellness. How do you think grief is exhibited in someone who may have mental condition? I think it I think it really makes whatever symptoms that you're already currently dealing with just feel that much more intense. <clears throat> and I think that grief is lonely and putting that on top of someone that's struggling with depression that is having issues socializing or wants to isolate themselves. Like I feel like it can intensify everything that you're already going through. And none of us are experts, so <laughs> we have invited an expert to join us today. We have with us Amy Alston. Hi, Amy. Hi. Who Hello. is an end-of-life doula. Yes. So could you tell me what that is? I assist with the transitioning of end of life transitioning from living body into eternity death is traumatic and for some reason we mm. go through it and then there's no one there to help with the pieces afterwards the end of life doula helps with just the impact of death help brace it and also to memorialize help with the grief grief is a hard thing to deal with but there's a way to actually make it soothing yeah. Is that it's a way to help those waves that crash to kind of not hit so hard. And that's the thing about grief as in terms of losing someone. And I guess as we define grief, you can grieve a lot of things, but I, we're yes. talking here about grief of transition of life. And with grief, it is literally a moment. Someone's here and then they're not. That's right. And the not is forever as far as we know it. But those of us who have that s spiritual center believe that there is a time after this. But for the rest of physical time, there is a single moment, a single breath in which someone is here and then they're not. And it's just a second, but it changes your entire life. My question for you, Amy, is there a right way to make this transition, let's just say someone is dealing with it right now. If your advice for someone who just lost a loved one, how do they frame this? There's no frames. So mm -hmm. you, you need to take away anything, any type of limits, boundaries, any process. You have to just be there and be present. And then you need to listen. And so when it comes to grief, it's like a different ride at an amusement park. You don't know what you're going to expect each and every time you ride it. But there's going to be an end of it. But how do you get there? You give the person those tools. So when I come into someone that needs services, I'm going to listen. I'm going to ask the questions of 
how does this make you feel and how are we going to address it each time you're going to feel this? Because it's never going to go away. It sounds like I should put away my expectations for myself because one of the things for me as a pastor, I hear it whenever I have to do a memorial, people tell people to be strong. It's going to get better. My dad went on to be with the Lord 25 years ago, and I was watching a movie about a boy who goes back in time to to see his father for help with something, but his father had passed. And I'm watching it expecting, hey, I'm just watching a movie, and the little boy knows that his father is going to pass. It happened to be 12, which was the age I was when my father passed. And he gave him one last hug, and he said, I need you. And for me, at 48, I'm thinking, as I think about my dad, I still need you. So there's no time limit, and I don't even know that it gets better. It doesn't. It can come into your life 20 years later oh, to help you wow. relax and make whatever that you lost soothing. Yeah. So there there are no limitations. There's no time. There, there's no deadlines. There's if it happened and it's still affecting you because we have the proper tools to grieve. We're just here to try to help you go through those things. Where do you think, Amy, the people in general, but even more specifically the church, what do we do wrong when it comes to the ceremonies that we do to some of the things we say? Is there a major point where you would say, this probably isn't helping as much as you think. Okay, so I can rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah, I can just ahead. tell go it ahead. like it is. Yeah. Okay. You do not, you're not considerate of mm. the person. You make it about you. You make it about a process. So even in ceremonies, funerals, even all those things, you're thinking of the structure, the guests, mm. the colors, who's going to be there, the song selections, but have you taken the time out to ask the person, how do you want the environment to feel? Wow. Now, and when I say the person, if you had the chance to speak with one that is transitioning. Wow. So when you say the person, you mean the person who's passed. As because wow. I had to do a legacy plan. And people think of legacy, let me get my will, let me get everything ordered. No, legacy how if I had that choice and had that chance of how I want to transition, who do I want to be around before that last breath? What do I want in the room? What do I, the music playing, how do I want to dress? How, what do I want to leave the people that is going to be really affected mm-hmm. by it, impacted? What is my plan for them? Wow. That question is not asked. The church and the church funeral homes and however else, it is a production. And so it's like going to a concert. And then once you leave, you're just left with bits and pieces of your favorite song or whatever else. But you still have a void. So I even think the hospitals, too. The hospitals do not like doulas (laughs) at all. Because, yes, we bring a holistic part of it. We are more in tune. And I'm sorry to say we're more in tune of what do you want? I don't care about the procedures that have to take place, cleaning the body and everything else. No. How do you want to leave this earth? And what do you want? Who do you want in the room? So I think that part is missing. 
and just the communication with the family afterwards. You talk to the person if you had that chance. Now, if it's suddenly, then talk to the people that is really there, that's there, that needs that help with right. grieving. Now, Pash, for you, this is very present. Your mother recently, I use the phrase, went on to be with the Lord. Some people say die. Some people I say past, and then people talk about loss. And this may sound like a quirky thing, but how do you think of it when you think about what has happened? Because I never tell somebody, I'm sorry for your loss. It is like they were in control, like they had a choice to lose them or not. But how do you phrase it in your mind? In your I will say that she died and I think that I need to say that because there are some days where it feels like I have to remind myself I'm not gonna see her I'm spending time with my friends this weekend like every time I would get to where I was going like I had to call and tell her where I was and like what I was doing and when I would, would come home and I got there and I, I couldn't call her because she died. And so I feel like I have to say that for it to sit within me to deal with it. I never <clears throat> thought about that. There are so many moments of impact that just something like, hey, I got to where I'm going and calling back to her favorite chair in the house and is I know the answer to this question, but is that overwhelming or is that comforting when you see those things or is it both? Are they, have the memories moved to good or is it just a miss right now? I think it's just a miss. Like I have, I think that grief is overwhelming and comforting. It hurts me to go in her room and not see her there, but then I'll look at her like bedroom shoes and my mom didn't like walking around barefoot mm. and so she always kept those shoes under her bed and when we would do her exercises because my mom was in a wheelchair and we were working to try and get her back to walking so she could be more independent so I'd say it's time to do your exercises and she would like reach down and pull out those bedroom shoes and <laughs> put them on I don't know, there's just so many things, because at one point she had been sick for a really long time, so at one point she couldn't. I was doing everything. Like, I had to physically move her legs so she wouldn't get, like, really stiff. I had to do all those things, and so even just thinking about her being able to do that was such progress, but I look at those shoes and I can see that in my head, and that is comforting for a minute, and then it hurts, mm -hmm. and it's overwhelming because she's not here anymore. Are most of your thoughts of her around her last days. And I ask that because as we listen to Amy talk about a transition where it's, there's some degree of planning and some input, I know you didn't have that. And what I find as a pastor is that quite often it can take people years to get past the last days and remember the whole person. Is your focus last days or are you getting into broader Memories. I think it's it's a mix. It hasn't really gone back to like my childhood, but I would say like the last two or three years, like I remember like good things. Like the last time I saw my mom walk was at my baptism here. So I can remember things like that. I haven't gone or I will remember or I think about things in the future that she won't get to see. That's mm -hmm. where I'm stuck right now. 
you, you described it earlier as being comfort and pain. Are there any other emotions that come that arise as you think about it? Definitely anger. What's the anger? Just mad. She was only 67. On all other fronts, it looks like we were getting better. We worked really hard. And I think for me, a big thing is like not having any parents mm. at 30. So I get really angry about that. And I think even jealousy mm. is something I've been dealing with a lot because a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, my mom's going to wash my kids for me or my dad's doing this. And I don't have that and I never will. So I deal with a lot of jealousy, too. Yeah. You said you mentioned the anger. Where's that directed? I think it's internalized, honestly, because I don't know where to put it. I'm still like mm. working through that. Like I'm. Seeing my counselor more, like, two times a week. So I will talk to her about it. Still that energy. That's one of the main reasons I started doing yoga. But it's weird because I've lost interest in so many things. So I'm mm-hmm. not taking classes. And that's the one thing that would help me figure out how to move that, like, angry energy in my body mm-hmm. to, like, get it out. And I just don't want to do it. Amy, it sounds like with the end-of-life doula, it's focused on the person you make me realize that they get ignored. The person who's actually passing gets ignored. But does the doula offer anything for the family in terms of any placement of these emotions that might arise? Or do you find that you're helping to redirect them to their loved one is actually helpful in them dealing with what they're feeling? We do work with the family a lot, to be honest. Ideally, we like to work with those that go to hospice and can actually speak on what they would like. But most of the work is with the family. And just to go back to the part as far as we do death and we just have a funeral and then it's over. And the family is very much affected and need counseling afterwards because there's no tools to give them to help them properly, to help with the grieving. And when Passion was talking, there's five stages of grief. And it's the anger, denial, acceptance, bargaining, and depression. And so we're there to help the family through that. And you have to start with the person that's passing. But if you cannot, the family, you see where they're at mentally What can we do to help them process going through those stages? Because you have to go through them. So uh, you list the stages, and I'm thinking, as you explained earlier, there's no time limit on them. And I don't even know if stages is a good characterization of it because what I'm hearing passion say is you feel all of that some, all of it at once. But it's interesting that it ends with depression, I wonder if for some people that loss runs so deep that it could lead to a lifelong depression. And and I'd be curious as to the two of you and your description of it. For me, grief is this big old hole in you that cannot be filled. And unfortunately, people who try to help you They try to go out and get our minds off of it. Let's do this and let's do that. But it's funny, you're you're trying to experience life, but there's still this hole and there's nothing that's going to, that's going to fill it. And so for me, I just have learned to live with it. Okay, it's there. And most of the harmful emotions, I don't connect with that. 
emptiness. But there are some days when I realize I just feel like a guy with a big old hole. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I have a lot of holes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how that's really that's how I feel like just like a big piece of Swiss cheese. Like I there's a hole. Obviously the biggest was my mom because she really was my foundation. Like I was talking to my counselor because our lives were so like connected there are things that I don't know I don't know what to do now the frustration is coming from not knowing how to handle certain things because we always did it together or there's things that I never bothered to learn or look at or do because I was so preoccupied with taking care of my mom yeah that so that's I'm glad you said that because I was gonna I was gonna ask you about that in that she as parents do or someone we love, they color our entire life. And even where you lived and what kind of work you did and everything was, so it's like losing an anchor, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, though it's possible now for you to live and go anywhere, it's not like you want to. Yeah. It's the wilderness. Yeah. If to speak of the holes or whatnot, end of life doula, when you were describing the holes, no, we cannot fill those holes, but we can place something in that hole, like a journal. Mm-hmm. So anytime that you have to revisit that hole, there's something there that kind of right. helps soothe and kind of help you work through those emotions. And I think these services really should become more visible and more used in the U.S. and in the black community. That's a great point because, yes, there's a vacancy, but I think about in terms of my dad, there have been people who come along. We talk about here at church, there's an amazing uh, man named Pastor Green, and I often mm-hmm. I often think about, God sent me a dad. So, yeah, sometimes you have to think about that and not feel guilty that I'm allowing someone to fill that space Um, and I'm going to someone as I would my dad. So that's, that leads me to the next question. And often when somebody loses someone, they feel guilty for laughing or actually living as if they're forgetting. Have you experienced, either of you experienced Mm -hmm. that? Yeah. Yeah. Especially with my birthday. This is my first birthday without my mom. And my mom made a really big deal out of birthdays. Even when she was like sick, she would wake me up in the middle of the night to sing happy birthday to me. We always celebrated um, my birthday because she told me that was the day she became a mother. So that we didn't even do like Mother's Day stuff. I give her flowers, but that was our big time, like me getting older and just celebrating our connection together. And so I definitely feel bad. Yeah. was dreading my birthday. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't really want to do a whole bunch because it just felt wrong to do anything or celebrate anything without her. So I definitely feel that anytime that I'm making plans for the future or stuff like that, it all makes me feel bad. So let's talk about that a minute because I I don't want to end this podcast, this episode without honoring her. So I guess my first question would be what do you think her thoughts about you feeling that way what would she say and I'm looking for the exact vocabulary (laughs) I'm looking for because one of the things for me as a pastor when I'm 
talking and dealing with people who've lost a loved one and I go to their house and folks are mourning or whatever, I never, I don't get so much into, okay, what's our, what are the plans? Because I have to now do a eulogy. I'm like, help me know this person who often I didn't know. So what was her name? Ellen. Ellen. Tell me about Ellen. If you had to introduce Ellen to me. She, life of the party, very big personality, um, like the world's best laugh is a blessing to hear that laugh. Tell me about that laugh. Was it a, it's, is it a loud or is it? It's very loud. Really? It's very infectious. Was it a throw your head back yes, or did she, okay. It, yes. It was very unique. I can't even explain it. <laughs> you just had to be there. She was the kindest person I've ever met in my life, but she also didn't take crap from anybody. Where do you think the kindness came from? I think the most beautiful part about the kindness is it came from being mistreated. Wow. And I think she made the conscious decision, even in the midst of really hard circumstances, to make sure that she didn't treat people like they treated her. Wow. What does she like to do? Was she a dancer, singer? What was her? She liked to laugh so lots of jokes lots of so witty she was the were the jokes pg or they were not (laughs) and my jokes are not pg either she yeah she really loved to laugh she loved to read we would talk about the bible a lot she read that the bible every day when she couldn't do anything else she read her bible and we would talk about that a lot because i don't like reading leviticus and so we would (laughs) (laughs) nobody (laughs) does let me tell you (laughs) we we would talk about how much i hate that what we didn't like and she loved helping people she always wanted to work with kids she did like to dance she loved music i used to play the bass in elementary through high school and she loved coming to my concerts and she was just a really great person what is the biggest moment where you feel like she where you saw pride in her eyes for you or where you saw where she really loves me it was a daily yeah it was daily but I think one of the things I feel like where I thought she saw me as a person she would always tell me that she thought I was a really great friend And she would say, I wish that I had a friend like you when I was growing up. And that made me feel like she didn't just love me, but felt like I was a good person. Yeah. Yeah. And that that will ever, never be anything else that will make me feel as good as that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I met her once, maybe twice. And I miss her. And, And I'm forever indebted to her because by her, we have you. And thank you, Ellen. Letting go of someone you love is one of the hardest things to do in life. It doesn't matter how long you have known them, it never feels like you had enough time. That is why we must remember that the greatest blessing is to love and be loved. Make the most of the time you have, and when someone has gone on to be with the Lord, try your best to be grateful for the blessing of having had them in your life. That's my prayer for this episode, that your grief become gratefulness. I pray this podcast has been a blessing to you. If you have enjoyed this podcast or have feedback, please go to wherever you stream your podcast, review us, and leave your questions or comments 
within the review. We have put forth our best effort, but we promise if you keep listening, we will try to do an even better job next time. The No Worries Podcast is a production of Awaken Media. This episode was produced by Shamari Showtime Sackell, Passion Bankhead, and Jermaine Nichols. Audio engineering by Shamari Showtime Sackell and Jermaine Nichols. Again, thank you for making us a part of your day. Until next time, be encouraged and remember, no worries.